When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hey YA! From great new books to favorite classic reads, news stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA! is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA! is a book riot podcast hosted by Erica Ezzafetti and me, Tears of Price, and we are recording this on January 26th. Hello, Erica. Hi, Tirza. When you said January 26th, I was like, surely you just. How is it the end of January already? What does this mean? It's I don't understand. Wild. Yeah. No, I'm clinging to the fact that like it's still January next week. So I'm like, we still have like a little bit more of January a little to go. bit of a week. Yes. Yeah. It's wild. This first month has <gasps> flown by mm-hmm. and I can hardly believe it. I yeah. Ah, uh, have you <laughs> have you been reading is like what are your what kind of what kind of um do you do reading resolutions or are you just like what's um, your stance on that for yourself? Yeah, that's a good question. So I used to just be like, my only goal is to read more than I did last year. Um, and yeah. then like I flew a little too close to the sun on that one because mm. I think I topped out at like a hundred. I don't know. I think the most books I've read in a single year since I started counting in like 2008 was like 150 books. And that was oh, like my. a lot of books. Also, it should be noted, I was a student at the time. I did not have a full-time job. I was, like, Ma'am. not responsible well, for pets yeah. or a house or anything. So, yeah. yeah. Um, like, I was very much still, like, I don't want to say I was a child, but I was, you know. Child adjacent. Child adjacent. I was a teenager. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, nowadays, I, I like, I did, for, like, for a long time, I didn't really make reading resolutions. Mm-hmm. And then this year and, like, last year, I've been trying to be a little bit more intentional about my reading. Mm. And just by, like, by that I mean, like, I'm trying to chase the joy when I can find it. You know, and I have talked about how like we're both mood readers. And so I, I mean, I'm just leaning into that because for many years I've, you know, worked for book riot and I've been on many various podcasts, including this one where like I had to do a lot of reading for podcasts and I would get like really caught up and like, I got to read everything. And now I'm just kind of like letting go. And last year I reread a lot of books, but I also, um, like a series that I'd been meaning to finish. Like I would reread the first couple that like I'd already read and then like actually finish the series. Um, and I've really enjoyed that. So I would mm-hmm. like to try to do more of that this year. Like, and if that means that like I have to go back and I have to reread some books just to get caught up, like I'm enjoying that. Um, but I guess like my only hard goal is I, um, moved into a new house at the end of last year in December, which was very exciting. I get to like unpack Mm. all my books for the first time in like four or five months. And I realized that I own more books that I haven't read than I've read. Um, so I pulled 12 books off my shelf that, um, have been on my like TBR 
for over two years. Like that was like my only sort of, um, yeah, like sort of qualification that I was looking for was like, okay, I I have to have had been carrying this around for at least two years or more. And then I put them in a stack and my goal is to read one of those a month. So I am trying to read more of like what I've already owned and more like of what I get from the library. Um, I've been using the library a ton already in January. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. So not like specific hard goals, but just trying to lean into the books I have and and enjoy the series that I've been saying for years that I'll finish. Ah, that is so real. I feel like I've gone in the opposite direction because I've always been, as you said, a mood reader. Um, I feel like I'm like, I realize, because I got the ADDDD, for those who know, know, you know, <laughs> I feel like I have to sometimes with certain books, depending on what they're about or how they start off, For me, I have to kind of like force myself to read the first 50 to 100 pages. And then after that, I become invested in the story. Because you know how like people say, if you're not enjoying a book, put it down like DNF. Oh, yeah. Life will be all the better for it. And I fully agree with that. But for me, I can only really say that is a thing after the first like 50 to 100 pages. Because sometimes I get past that and I'm just like... Oh, actually, I actually do really like this. Yeah. Sometimes books do take their time to like grow on you. Like, and I, yeah. And I, I feel like it's fine if like not every book needs to be like we're starting in media res and like um, by page three, you're like, what's going to happen next? Like exactly. sometimes books do take time to build. Yeah. And I'm also trying to read more nonfiction. <laughs> like that's a, 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 a specific objective goal. Because I feel like I, yeah. yeah, I don't read as much as I feel like, I don't know, I feel like I should read just a little more just because of my job. Yeah, I like nonfiction. And I used to think that I hated nonfiction. And I right. didn't like really start reading nonfiction until, um, like, let's be real, not even in college. Like, I still thought I hated nonfiction in college. Yes. It was after college for me, like, that yeah. I, and what it, what it took was me working in a bookstore yeah. I was in an indie bookstore and I had a coworker who, um, honestly, to this day, she's probably like one of the most widely read, you know, people I know because she'll read everything and anything. And she would be like, look at this fascinating nonfiction. Um, <laughs> and I'd be like, in my brain, I'd be like, I don't really like nonfiction, no, but like I would no. always listen to her pitches yeah. and I'd be like, oh, she's making that sound really good. So that's how I got to doing nonfiction. Um and now I do read more nonfiction, but I am a little bit pickier, but I don't know if this would work for you. Mm-hmm. I like reading nonfiction on audio. That's what, that's what I discovered. That's what yeah. I discovered works for me. I like, non- yep, exactly. Okay. So we have our, our brains brain together. Um, yeah, that helps so much. I just absorb it better. It's kind of almost like it's a podcast in a way. Right. Like one of those like informative it's just a really podcasts. long one. Yeah, it just, really just keeps really on long. going. Like several episodes. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. That is so funny you say that. That's exactly my solution yeah. to me reading more nonfiction. Awesome. Great minds. Hmm. Well, I think those are great goals. And I will have a nonfiction recommendation for you here in a couple minutes on this yes. podcast. Yeah. So. But um, before we get to business, um, first of all, I want to tell you about um, what we've got going on this month, which you've heard before, but it's happening. We're bringing paperback. So whether you hate carrying around bulky hardcovers, if you're on a budget, you want to read a wider range of recommendations, 
or all of the above, you can now get a paperback subscription from TBR, which is our um, service of personalized book recommendations. It's curated just for you by one of our bibliologists. Um, so this is a perfect thing that you can buy for yourself. You can buy as a gift for somebody else, um, but you can get all the details at mytbr.co. That's mytbr.co. And now we're going to hear from our first sponsor. Okay, so um, the big thing that happened this last week was the, um, well, it's now it's last week by the time you're hearing this, but um, the American Library Association's Youth Media Awards were announced, Woo, which, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm going to assume if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know what those are, but they're essentially the Oscars of, you know, children's and young adults lit awards. Mm-hmm. Um, so very exciting. Um, I was going to totally watch the live cast, but then I slept through my alarm and I had just like a terrible morning. So I didn't actually get to watch the live cast, but that's like one of the fun things about um, the um, youth media awards. They usually um, broadcast them so you can tune in online and watch, but um, there are, so many amazing mm-hmm. picks. And I feel like, okay, we, we could probably do a full episode on everything. Probably, just like yeah. the YA picks. Yeah. But I'm going to try to go through this a little quickly because mm-hmm. we don't have that time. Although the... Um, the Prince Award winner, the you know biggest award in YA, um, dovetails very nicely into today's topic, which we picked before the um, Youth Media Awards were announced. So good, see our brains, brain, yeah, they, got good they brains do. over here. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. Um, the American Indian Youth Literature Award, which is awarded actually every other year, so it was awarded this year. Res Ball by Byron Graves um, won that, um, and then I won't do all the honor books because. We'd be here all day. Um, but I will quickly say Warrior Girl on Earth by Angeline Bully was an honor. I love that book. I thought it was amazing. Um, I'd Rather Burn Than Bloom by Shannon C.F. Rogers won the Asian Pacific American Award for Literature for YA. Um, the Sydney Taylor um, Book Award, which is um, a book that um, authentically represents the um, Jewish experience. Um, the Blood Years by Elena K. Arnold won that one. And you and I have been talking about that one, I feel like, a couple of episodes. I have yes. it. I also I really, have it. Yeah, I really want to read it. But I also know that like it's probably going to emotionally wreck me. So I'm, I'm waiting saying, for the right moment. <laughs> I'm saying you have to be emotionally available for that. Yes. Also, your favorite, um, Wrath Becomes Her, Aiden Polidoros. Yes. Um, that was my honor. Yes. yes. I haven't read that one, but I read the book he wrote before. And Wrath Becomes Her is on my list. And it also is one of those where you're like, you know what? Let me like gather myself emotionally before I read this. For real. Yeah. Um, the Schneider Family Book Award, which is for books that authentically depict the disability experience, Forever Is Now by Mariama J. Lockington won that award. I have not read that one, so that's exciting. On the Stonewall Book Awards for books with exceptional merit relating to the gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender experience. Um, Only This Beautiful Moment by Abdi Nazamian won that one. I have not read that one, but I have read other books by Abdi Nazamian, so he's a great Mm-hmm. that was exciting um i'm gonna just kind of skip over the 
like the ones that are just for kids um, because this is a YA podcast. Oh, but the Coretta Scott King Book Award for author, um, E.B. Zavoy won for Nigeria Jones, um, which I also have on my shelf and I've been meaning to read forever. Um, The Pure Belpre Awards um, that honors um, the um, Latinx, Latina experience. Um, The young adult um, author winner was Saints of the Household by Ari Tyson. Um, then they announced the Alex awards, which are the best books published for an adult audience, but are good, um, have good teen appeal. So Mm. like, you know, these are adult books, but hand them to teens. Um, unsurprisingly fourth wing was on that list, but there's 10 of them there. Um, they, they look pretty interesting. I have not read any of them, but one of Liberty's all time favorites of last year, chain gang, all stars by Nana Kwame Adijay Brenya, um, was on that list. So that's a good one. Um, and then this is the one that I was going to recommend to you. So the Yalsa award for excellence in nonfiction for young adults, Accountable, the true story of a racist social media account and the teenagers whose lives it changed by Dashka Slater. Dashka Slater wrote the 57 bus, which came out a few years back and was a huge deal. I listened to this audiobook um, last month and it is excellent. So I nice. was very excited to see that win. I remember us either talking about this or me TBRing it or something, but this sounds, yeah, it sounds familiar. Yes, it was really interesting. It just like very, very quickly, it is about, it's a true story, um, a small, small, I say small, like imagine me saying it with quotation marks, small town in Northern California, where there were these teens that were posting um, racist memes on a social media account. And the social media account was private, but of course it got around and the incredible fallout of what happened when that account was brought to light. And what I liked about this book is it, um, you know, Slater follows both, you know, the teens who were posting this stuff, but also the teens who were posted about and who were affected by it. Um, so you really get a very nuanced take of like how it affected everybody involved, I thought. So mm-hmm. that was excellent. Um, the William C. Morris Award for Best Debut YA went again to Res Ball by Byron nice. Graves. So yay for Byron Graves. Um, and then the Margaret A. Edwards Award for Significant and Enduring Contribution to the World of Youth Literature went to Neil Shusterman this year. Um, you know, he wrote Unwind. He's written the Sky series. Um, so that's really awesome. I I think he probably definitely deserves that. I mean, I was reading his, I was reading Unwind when I was in high school. So he's been writing for a long time. Nice. And then um, finally, because I think, oh, okay, the Odyssey Award is Best Audiobooks for Young Listeners. The Young Adult winner went to Promise Boys by Nick Brooks, and it has a full cast. And I have not read that one, but it looks really interesting. Yeah, it does. Same. Um, And then I think the only ones we have left are like the other children's lit. So I will talk about the big one, The Prince given to the most distinguished work of literature for young adults. So the winner this year um, sort of set some firsts. Um, It is The Collectors, edited by A.S. King. So it's an anthology with contributions from M.T. Anderson, E.E. Charlton Trujillo, A.S. King, of course, David Levithan, Corey McCarthy, Anna Marie McLemore, Jean Neary, Jason Reynolds, Randy Reba, and Jenny Torres Sanchez. Um, so that is exciting because this is the first time that an anthology has won Mm. and it is the first time that, um, 
an author has won a prince twice because A.S. King won it a few years back for Dig. So she has won it yet again. Um, and this time it's a group win with all of those contributors. So that is really exciting. And then the honors. Cool. Yeah, I think it's really cool. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, anthologies have been so popular and they've been growing in popularity. It's really cool to see one honored in that way. Yeah. And I think, you know, we can talk about this more in the, later on in the episode, but um you know, as an author, like, I think we're kind of always told, like, anthologies are awesome, but, like, they're not money makers. Like, they, they're kind of really yeah. passion projects. And people do them because, like, we really care about the topic and you really care about collaborating with other people. But, like, people mm-hmm. don't do them to make money because they don't tend to make money. So yeah. I hope that this one is, you know, a big deal. And I'd like to see that it has gotten this, um, this award. Yeah. Um, then the honors for the prince honor um fire from the sky by moa bakastat i have not read that one gather by kenneth m caddo um the girl i am was and never will be by shannon gibney and salt the water by candace elo so i have not read any of those books and now i feel like i'm a bad ya podcaster because i haven't read any of them but um there's so many books out there you can't read there's them. so many i mean even you reading this list off it's like there are so many books I know. And that's a lot of titles. So I, you know, I won't make you type out all of the titles in the show notes, but we will link to a Book Riot um, article where we've listed out all of these so you can see them. Um, but yeah, it's it's a lot of great books. I mean, I think, you know, you could have like a year's worth of reading just reading all these award winners. So Honestly. Um, and I still think too that like there's a lot of really great books that came out last year that like weren't on this list, but like are awesome and probably deserve an award as well. So um, it is a wonderful time to be alive with YA because there's so many great books coming out. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. So we have not done an episode on anthologies and we kind of decided that we should do one on anthologies before the awards were announced. And then the collectors won. And I was like, look at us being all timely. and everything. Look at us being on time. Exactly. <laughs> we're great. so okay i feel like we should just briefly tell people what collectors is about since it is our new Mm -hmm. um prince award winner um so it is a collection about people and their weird strange surprising interesting collections um so it's fiction and uh, i'm just kind of scanning here and and reading David Levithan has a story about a non-binary kid collecting pieces of other people's collections. Hmm. Um, Jenny Torres Sanchez has a book or has a story about a girl gathering types of fire. So it looks like we've got some speculative fiction. Um, Jean Aries piece is about 1970s skaters seeking opportunities to go vertical. Um, so basically the idea of like collecting seems like it's being interpreted Um, rather widely which I think is pretty cool so yeah it's an interesting looking book and interesting looking cover and I think it's a great selection of authors Um, I'm really excited to get my hands on it I did not own a copy before but now I'm like oh shoot (laughs) and of course it's like back ordered everywhere and probably everybody's got like a long waiting list at everybody's library Um, but that is what that one is about and I think it sounds really fascinating and I have read I'm like just looking at the contributions Um, I've read books by I think yeah I've read books by every single person who's a contributor 
mm-hmm. to this anthology. And I like all of their books. So it's a yeah. solid list. It is very a solid. solid. List. I looked I looked it up after the awards winners were announced. I also looked up the book and you know we were DMing each other and you were like, oh let's talk about this. And I looked it up on my um on Libby actually and it yeah there's a wait list and I will say too um kind of what you were saying a second ago it's interesting to look at because the cover looks different the synopsis or the summary the blurb is kind of different from what I'm seeing with other YA books so yeah just a little, like a little outside like uh, of course like you said we have a lot of great YA coming out but looking at this um the cover the descriptions everything like that it kind of does seem like it sits a little outside of a lot of other things i've been seeing even though those other things are great too that is such a good point because i feel like you know it it does kind of feel like more like an early ya anthology and by that i mean like ya anthologies that were coming out like 20 years or so ago yeah um where it was like yeah here's like a broad theme and the theme could be very broad. Like I've read some really, really broad ones. And the fact that like you had these authors coming together and writing short stories under a broad theme was like novel enough that people were like, yeah, this is awesome. Um, and now I'm looking at like the list of titles that we're going to talk about today. And the themes I think have been getting narrower and narrower. Yeah. Which- it's not a bad thing, I think. Like it's it means that like we've been getting a lot of really interesting niche um anthologies being put out there and and that can be really fun because if you find something where you're like yes that is totally my jam um it's like great there's an anthology for that but um yeah this one is pretty broad I mean just like collections and Mm -hmm. people collect things like and I think that can be fun because you can interpret that so many different ways exactly so I'm excited to read it it looks fun too yeah yes um I hopefully have a copy coming so I'm excited as well yeah um so I have a couple questions for you. Okay. Or maybe just one question, actually, Fair. now okay. that I look at it. Um, <laughs> when you pick up anthologies, like, how do you approach reading them? Do you, like, read the stories in the order that they're printed? Or do you just, are you like, no, I love that author, so I'm going to go read their story first? Like, do you go rogue? Do I go rogue? That's so interesting. I feel like I mostly go in order, Unless there's some other reason, like if someone wants to talk about a specific story from the collection, I'll read that one first. Or sometimes if I want to sample a particular author and I don't feel like like I want to read them first, I will read their story first. But oh, usually, I, yeah, um, there was actually, there's this collection of stories. It's not a YA collection and I'm forgetting what it is but it's a, a horror collection it came out like within the last couple of years Tanana Reeve Du who provided an introduction or forward for one of the collections that I'm going to talk about today um, I hadn't read anything by her yet and I saw she was in this collection so I just skipped ahead to her story say and it shook me I was a little oh, no. shooken <laughs> I was a little shook up like in a good way as far as horror reading goes Um, But yeah, usually, unless I have something like that, like I have an author I'm really excited to read, or if someone else wants to speak about a particular story, first, if none of that is apparent or none of that going on, then I'm just going to read it in order. I've never even thought about reading it out of order, unless for those other things. So it's funny that you, it's funny that you mentioned that. So what do you, what do you tend towards? 
I usually read things in order because I'm a rule follower, but um, I do like if I I, like I'm sort of similar, like sometimes I pick up an anthology and maybe the theme is like interesting to me, but I'm not like totally committed to reading the entire anthology, but like my favorite author or somebody I really like and respect has a short story in there. So like I'll pick it up and I'll just like read their story. And then, you know, if I'm feeling like I'm into it, like I, I will actually, you know, go through and and read the entire thing um but I really only read them in order if I'm like committed to reading the entire thing which I'm so sorry to say this because like I know having been in an anthology myself like I know how much like the editors of the anthology is really angst over like proper order and placement because you you are sort of building a narrative and yeah you're, you're trying to like communicate something to the reader by the order that you put the stories in. So, exactly. and for me to just like, you know, thumb my nose at that and be like, like no, la, I do. La, I do. I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> I do what I want. I'm going to read whatever <laughs> order I want. And yeah. um, it sort of feels like, yeah, it's kind of disrespectful, but like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. sometimes it's what I do. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. Tears. How dare I know I was going to ask, this might be a spicy question. I was going to ask you when you read them in order, do you feel that cohesion that maybe the editor was, or do you feel like, Oh, if I read these out of order, would have mattered? Well, spicy question Uh, for you. That is a good question. You know, sometimes I feel like, you know, the order is probably strategic because like one story might be a little bit better at drawing you into like the theme Mm. or whatever. Um, But like another story, like I once read a a story that um, was in one of, actually, this is one of my favorite short stories in YA that I've ever read. It's called Champagne and Whiskey. It is in the anthology that I am in. So like, sorry to toot my own horn, I guess. <laughs> Go ahead, um, it's toot the, that horn. It's the Rural Voices anthology put out by Candlelight Press and our editors, um, Nora Shalloway Carpenter. And S.A. Cosby, who might be best known for his adult thrillers, mm-hmm. wrote a really, really, really great short story. And and it's really short. Like, it's so short. I was like, um, did I get shorted? Like, th- th- there should be more pages here. Um, and it's sort of like this mini mystery. But it, like, it kind of hits you like a one-two punch because you're like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Oh my gosh, this is like now like the stakes are high and then like he wraps it up and it's really brilliantly done and I think it should be studied for like its conciseness but I think if it was like the first story in the anthology like maybe wouldn't have done as good of a job of like bringing in a reader to then like go read the rest so like I loved it I'm so glad it was included but like I like the first I like that the first story in that anthology is the first story if that makes sense yeah no that makes sense that makes a lot of sense and yeah, I've never thought about it myself. That question I just asked you. So it was like, I feel like, is it a thing? Cause I've never noticed it, but obviously the editors are doing what they need to do. And that makes a lot of sense just to like draw people in. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think it takes um, a little bit of a light touch to do that yeah. in that way. So. Some nuance. What was it called yeah. again? That collection? Um, rural voices and it's 15 authors challenge assumptions about rural America. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a fun anthology to be a part of. And I liked that. I like the theme. It's something I can get behind. So, um, but yeah, S.A. Cosby's champagne and whiskey. And that one was pretty awesome. Um, so yeah. Um, okay. We've been talking a lot, so we are going to go (laughs) to our next sponsor. 
Okay, Erica, tell us about some of the books you picked today. Okay, okay, okay. So my first one is Magic Has No Borders, edited by Sana Charai Potra and Samira Ahmed. And there's this... Okay, so I don't know if you are like me, but I've always loved reading historical fiction. I feel like I have learned kind of learn more about history through historical fiction than like history classes oh totally totally yeah and i'm not i know people you know it's easy for people to be like oh what is school for and it's not really in that vein but also what is school for when it comes to history classes that's a whole other conversation (laughs) but for me for me i feel like um because when you read well fiction in general is empathy encouraging right there are like studies on that And I feel like when I've read historical fiction, I've read historical fiction about different times and civilizations and people. Um, It helps you to like, not only know the events, but also live what those characters are living. So you understand it at a more, you understand those historical events at a more emotional level. I say all this because the author's notes, the first author's note in here talks about partition in india and it gives really great context to that and from that yeah for me at least like i knew about partition it was a major historical moment although uh shamefully i didn't learn about it until later again history classes in the american school system la la da we'll talk about that later but i learned it more because i had a pakistani friend in college but it happened in like the late 40s and Um, the writer talks about how her family got split up. They were forced to like the Muslim sections out of India. And what was interesting is what I learned from the author's note alone was that the partition, the splitting of like Hindu and Muslim, um, followers was like started by the British. It was, like, as a result of them trying to leave, um, India gaining independence. And I'm like, if that don't just beat all, ain't that some mess? <laughs> Who know, why did no one ever tell me? So from, so that, that's, that's a, an excellent point or evidence of what I was saying about reading historical fiction. So then she talks about, you know, being a brown girl, Indian girl, not seeing herself in fiction. And how it's gotten a lot better, though, in the last few years. So let me back up a little bit and say that probably from the title, Magic Has No Borders, you can tell there's going to be some magical, fantastical things going on. Um, And South Asian folklore and legends and stuff are literally epic. Like, they're epic poems that talk about the gods and goddesses and jinn and all that stuff. There's a lot of... There's a lot of stuff there in terms of story material and it's colorful and people are dramatic like gods and goddesses are. They always dramatic. So anyway, the first story opens up with a body stealing, assassinating goddess who we learn she doesn't want to be forgotten. So it's like modern day era, but she is from, you know, ancient times and it slowly revealed from the jump, we know that she wants to kill somebody, but she's in this host body who is this um, teenage Indian girl living in New Jersey of all places. 
okay. <laughs> and we know this goddess wants to commit a crime, which is murder, homicide, okay. And but the host body she has belongs to a girl who is like fighting back, and she's like, oh, it's not usual that my host fight back. So then you learn that she's been doing this for a while. And then it becomes known that this goddess, goddess of serpents, um, has this long-standing feud with these other goddesses. And just through the millennia, they've been she's been um, reincarnated, and the other two have been reincarnated. And she like kills the, the dude, and all this stuff. So here's the thing, though: the host body is fighting back, and that makes the goddess kind of reconsider what she's been doing for like thousands of years and so there's this interesting play or struggle i should say between the old way and the new way and that presents itself in interesting ways and then of course you have the other stories that kind of have a similar some of them have a similar tug between the old and the new the modern and the ancient or traditional and all throughout you have these brilliant um south asian folklore based stories and I live, I live for mythology retellings. I love, I've always loved all types of mythology. So this is like little catnip for me. Also the cover is beautiful. It really we love is. a Okay. We love a beautiful cover. We love a bright and beautiful cover. So that is Magic Has No Borders, edited by Sana Charapotra and Samira Ahmed. Awesome. Yeah, that one is beautiful. And I actually picked it up. Um, I went to the library last week or the week before and I just went through and I was trying to just grab a bunch of different anthologies. And that's one of the ones that I grabbed because I was like, it's so pretty and it's I didn't so get pretty. to it. Yeah. And I saw you were going to you know, talk about it. So I was like, okay, good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is very pretty. Oh, I should uh, also say Sabata here. There are plenty of great contributors, but Sabata here, that's my girl on my rage. So you already know. She's a contributor. Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm like looking at my copy right now and I'm like, okay, we've got. Got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sabata here, Olivia Chadha, Preeti Chibar. Um, yeah. Sangu Mandana, um, Swati Tirala. A lot of people that I, um, oh, Tanaz Bethina. Yeah. A lot of these people I've read and, and loved. So, mm-hmm. um, all right. My next pick is Absolutely Normal Short Stories That Smash Mental Health Stereotypes. It's edited by Nora Shalloway Carpenter and Rocky Callen. Um, has some really great contributors, including Francisco X. Stork, um, Alicia Dow, Patrick Downs. Um, yeah, Sonia Patel, Isabel Quintero, and so many great stories. Um, also, um, just like Little little disclaimer here. One of my very good friends, um, Anna Drury, she has a story in here and it is wonderful. I actually read it for her before she submitted it and I thought Ooh, it was awesome. So nice. yeah, this is great. It, I mean, it's 16 stories. So that's, you know, a lot for an anthology. Yeah. Um, and there's poetry, there's prose. Like, so it's not just, you know, your oh. typical short story. Yeah. Nikki Grimes nice. does poetry. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. And all of these talk about different. Uh, oh, yeah. And then there's um, there's like a graphic short story as well and panels. So that is exciting. Um, and yeah, I like that this um, anthology talks about various characters and their struggles with with mental health. And I think that. Um, every character, I mean, every author, um, they're like writing from, um, 
you know, a place of personal experience. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah. And they're just, you know, they're, they're short stories that I think offer hope. They're funny. Some of them are really sad, Um, but they are ones that kind of show you like what it is to live with um, mental health. And um, I mean, I'm a little bit biased, but my friend Anna's story um, is about um, a girl who has PMDD, which um, if you have periods, it is Mm. like this like flush of hormones and it's not just you know oh you're pmsing like it makes you like absolutely break down like one of the um side effects is people like will have like breakdowns like like temper tantrums essentially and like and it's not like it's very difficult to control because you're just like being flushed with hormones but it can be managed and so like that's something that i'm like oh yeah i i didn't really think about you know as a um you know, a mental health um, issue, but like, of course it is because, yeah. you know, your hormones are affecting your brain chemistry and everybody that I've talked to, and I don't know a lot of people who've had this have been like, no, it's like you, you really feel like out of control. And mm. so, um, yeah, I, I felt like I learned a lot while reading this anthology, but also I just really enjoyed all of the short stories and all of the different perspectives. Um, so yeah, this is, it's awesome. It is absolutely normal short stories that smash mental health stereotypes. That's awesome. Um, I'm glad you included that. Yeah. Menstrual stuff is so wild. I wonder, I'm just thinking like, maybe we should, like, is that a, an episode or something? I'm like, there's, there's so much. Cause again, like, you know, women's healthcare, it's neglected, but there are so many like wild things going on with um menstruation uh and it's like i feel like it's hard to navigate or know what's going on because people don't talk about it as much so for I'm real which is included that yeah which is silly because it is. so many so many people menstruate it is a normal thing come on yeah it's yeah yeah literally why we're all why we all exist also so right there's that (laughs) kind of important y'all just saying but yeah so i'm gonna get into my next book my next collection after we hear from our sponsor okay so the next one i have is another one that starts with a heavy hitting story but this one's kind of like a little different because instead of being by different authors, it's by one author. Well, I mean, that's not a unique thing with short story collections, but just the other books I have are by a, um, a group of authors. Um, it's titled Man-Made Monsters by Andrea L. Rogers. It's illustrated by Jeff Edwards and OMG. Actually, this was an award winner too. I forgot... Or an honor winner. I forgot which one. It. I have to look again at the list. I meant to make a mental note of that. But this was also honored um, with the latest awards we were just talking about. So that's cool. I didn't... I, it, this was on my list before I realized it was, um, you know, an award honor winner. But yes. So this one is kind of interesting because, like I said, it's not from a collection of contributing writers. It's written by Andrea L. Rogers, and it's about this family of Cherokee people through, from like, I wrote a note, 18, 1839. 
through the years. So it's like different stories and it follows them. And it's also horror. So it opens with a Cherokee family trying to escape the Texas army in July, 1839. And again, what I said about historical fiction is very much true here in that, you know, I know about the Trail of Tears and the genocide that happened with indigenous North American and First Nations people, of course, but reading about it was different. And this got real, this got really real, really fast. So trigger warnings and all of that, but it was like, oh my God, like it like punched me in the throat. I was just like, oh, <laughs> I was gasping. I was like, he did what? What happened to your mother? Where is she right now? So, okay. Like I said, it opens with the Cherokee family trying to escape the Texas army in July, 1839. So you have indigenous people being pushed out to quote unquote Indian territory out of Texas. Um, and you have the protagonist. She's a teenage Cherokee girl. Her name is Emma. And she's like on the road with her mom and two siblings, younger siblings. And she is trying to protect them as best she can. Um, and it talks about how like the Texas Rangers are so brutal. Like even when they hear the hint of a a wagon of theirs passing by they like hide the children and stuff like that because they would steal women and children and sell them and all these terrible things and this is true this is all true and so they're trying to reunite with their family the rest of their family so it's just like the four of them again it's teenage girl her mom and their two younger siblings and i believe they're slowed down they slowed down because one of the kids, the younger kids was sick. So when they take a break, there is this, from the, from the moment they see this wagon, it's, something's off. There's, there's this young boy in the front. Something's off about him. He's kind of blocking out the sun. And Emma tells her mom, she's like, maybe we should go. And her mom was like, nah, everybody's sick. Let's, let's stay here till the morning. Um, and out from the wagon comes what she finds out to be a German man. He's speaking German. He he speaks some other indigenous languages. He speaks Spanish. And he's just like, he's described as a dandy, which is like, you know, like flamboyantly dressed. And it kind of doesn't fit within their setting. They're literally like in Texas. This is like low-key desert area. And here he is like very flamboyantly dressed. And with him comes something terrible so that sets things into motion and yeah this uh this story is a lot but it's so good so Ooh. horror okay from the from, yeah. from the first few pages let me tell you it's not it's not for the faint of heart and so that get a gagging yes <laughs> That yeah. was an American Indian Youth Literature Award honor for young adults. Thank you, Tirza. I yeah. was going to look it up, but I have too many tabs, and my no. I don't want my computer to blast off into space. So it's thank good. You. I appreciate yeah, that. and I I heard about the book. I mean, I I just really heard about the title um, because I mm -hmm. saw you know it was an honor, but I I didn't really know much about it or or what it was about. So now you have like sent shivers down my spine, and now I would like to read it. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, it, it's gross and horrible. And, and that's all I think what makes it horrible too. I, I'm kind of talking a long time about this, but I'm, I'm affected, very greatly affected. I feel like for me, like, 
I feel like what makes it super horrible is like that it is so in entwined with what actually happened like the details of the terror that was enacted against um, indigenous people is was so monstrous that it's easy to translate it to being the result of actual monsters so that connection to reality makes it all the more terrible if that makes sense yeah no that's a horror sense. story but yes so again that's called man-made monsters by andrea l rogers illustrated by jeff edwards Oof, thank you for that. Um, I'm going I'm to take a slight shift. Shift it, please. A bit lighter. Um, okay, my next pick is Study Break, edited by Ashna Avachat, um, and has a bunch of um, contributors, including Jake Maya Arlo, Cameron Garrett, Raquel Marie, Christina Lee, so, oh, Joelle Wellington. Yeah, lots of good people. Um and it is so I like the idea of this one because it's not just like, OK, you know, write a short story about this topic. It is about college. It is set at a fictional university and it is about um, a variety of characters. So each short story is about somebody different and all of these characters, they're either you know freshmen or seniors in college they all live in the same campus or go to the same school and the stories all take place over the course of a single academic year and as you're reading them like there's one that takes place in like September you know October November December so it really like spans the the year um and they are interconnected they have nods to each other which I think is really cool nice and also like how oh, complicated to manage that um and yeah, so, okay, first of all, I think that there are not enough young adult books set in college. Yes. Um, and hmm. I know you can be all like, oh, but young adult, it's supposed to end at 18. Like, uh, you know, young adult is a marketing term. It's not a genre. Um, and I think that, yeah, there should be more books marketed towards teenagers about that experience because like I was terrified to go to college. Like I had no idea what to expect. And so reading more books about it probably would have helped me a little bit. Um, But anywho, and like, not like super sexy new adult romance books, like, but actual, you know, books that are, I mean, not that those aren't actual books, but you know, books where like the romance isn't the point and awakening isn't the point. Um, So I really love that this exists. Um, Also this um, book, um, I'm just going to read you the, um, a little bit from the back of the book um, because I did not pick up on this until I was like halfway through the book, but um, the people, the, the authors who wrote this, they are award-winning and newly debuting Gen Z contributors. Um, and they were all either in college at the time of writing or recent college graduates. So I think that's really nice. cool that this is because, you know, a lot of times anthologies, they like trade in on big names. Um, but I also think that's really cool that this is an anthology of like newer voices to YA um, and that like they their college experience was not like 10, 15 years ago. Like it was like very, very recent. So that I love that future, reasons. actually. Yeah, I yeah. love that. I, I think it's kind of cool. Um, so yeah, for all of these reasons, I think you should pick up Study Break. It is edited by Ashna Abishat, has a lot of great authors, and um, it tells a cohesive story. So you probably shouldn't read these stories out of order, which was I, <laughs> what I was tempted to do. And then I was a little confused. And then I went back to the beginning and I was like, okay, from the beginning. <laughs> 
read them in order. Don't listen to us. Um, I saw that one and I didn't include it because I already had four, but that was on my short list for things to talk about today. So nice. I will have to. Well, it's still in my TBR, so I need to get to that as well. But yeah, so I and I, yeah, I love ushering in the new a new generation of YA writers and that, like you said, it's like the experience of college is like fresh on the brain or currently happening. I think that's dope. So the next one I have is At Midnight, 15 Beloved Fairy Tales Reimagined by Dahlia Adler. And most of these stories come from things that um, Western audiences will be very familiar with, like the Brothers Grimm, Hans Christian Andersen, Charles Perrault. But Dahlia Adler mentions how there are different versions of many of these tales that exist within other cultures. I remember, for example, editing an article by one of our contributors from a while back that talked about how Cinderella might have Chinese origins because of this like ancient Chinese fairy tale that was basically Cinderella. So um, it's really, I, I always like, you know, I like retellings and mythology retellings, um, looking at something that you're really familiar with through a new lens is always interesting to me. So contributors in this one, Dahlia Adler, obviously, Dahlia writes about Rumpelstiltskin. You have Anna Marie Mecklemore, who writes about the Nutcracker. You have H.E. Edgman, who writes about Snow White. Stacey Lee writes about the Little Matchstick Girl, which I was not familiar with. Uh, Darcy Little Badger writes about Puss in Boots, <laughs> which I don't know why that makes me laugh, but it does. Um, I only became aware of Puss in Boots through Shrek, if I'm going to be honest. But yeah, so it's a fun collection. Like I said, it's fun to revisit stories that you're familiar with, that you grew up with, and look at them through a different lens. Because it's like, you know, have you reevaluating things in interesting ways. So again, that's At Midnight, 15 Beloved Fairy Tales Reimagined, edited by Dahlia Adler. Awesome. My next pick is The Gathering Dark, an anthology of folk horror. Ooh. It is edited by Tori Bavolino. Um, and contributors include Erica Waters, Chloe Gong, Hannah Witten, Allison Saft, um, Aiden Polydorus, your fave. Hey. Um, Courtney Gould, Olivia Chadha, um, Shakira Toussaint, and I think Alex Brown. I can't remember if I said his name, um, but all of these people. Um, so it's actually a shorter anthology, but the book does not feel slimmer than usual. It is, um, it's, the book has um, only 10 um, folk tales or folkloric tales in it. Um, but the, the, they're, they feel like slightly longer than like your average um, short mm. stories, which is like, they're more like 25 to 30 pages instead of like 15 to 20. So I love that about this. Um, this, I, I, this is also one of those, like when we were talking about how anthologies like have very specific, um, you know, focuses. So like, mm -hmm. it's not just a horror anthology. It's like folk horror. So, you mm. know, horror that pulls from folklore and folk tales, but also has like a very like rural grounding and, and those sort of haunting settings. Um, the cover is also gorgeous. It is very beautifully done. Um, and I, I really enjoyed this one. It was fun. 
to read about, you know, horror from like different parts of the country. Um, and yeah, they were pretty creepy. I was pretty creeped out. I will. <laughs> so um, that is The Gathering Dark, edited by Tori Bavolino. So the last one I have is The Black Girl Survives in this one. It's edited by Desiree S. Evans and Seratia J. Finnell. Has an intro by, as I mentioned before, Tananri Du. She talks about the absence of black women and girls from horror me- from horror media. And when they were within horror media, no books, movies, shows, usually among the first to die. Or they were like bad guys, like voodoo queens or something like that. Nothing wrong with voodoo, but it just has historically been presented as evil in Western society. Horror is undergoing an, a renaissance in general, and I think um, black horror is a part of that, like under that horror renaissance umbrella. So there's a werewolf story. There's a tale of telepathy gone wrong. There's this story about an ancient journal being discovered and the shenanigans that ensue. Um, the contributors are, again, a very big, like, Big names, Aaron E. Adams, Monica Brushiers, Charlotte Nicole Davis, uh, Zakia Dahlia Harris, uh, Justina Ireland, who provides an excellent quote in the beginning, um, Eden Royce, Vincent Tirado. So this cover is also um, pretty dope. I like it. It's kind of like airbrushed imagery or something like that so yes it's very interesting obviously it's horror i guess i'm a horror girly this year who knew um but yes the stories will get you will get you get you good so i appreciated it again i got <laughs> oh go I'm ahead sorry. Sorry. i was gonna say i love the title so you go yes. ahead and say it <laughs> yes exactly um so yeah again that's the black girl survives in this one edited by desiree s evans and seratia j finnell awesome yeah i'm excited to pick this one up i think it looks really cool yes um and so you know what let's just round out this episode with some more horror let's um, let's <laughs> do it all that. yeah yeah my last pick is night of the living queers which came out um this past august it is edited by shelly page and alex brown who i think i misgendered when i was talking about the gathering dark um so apologies on that um but uh, yeah so they, i think it's interesting to see like the different authors the crossover across all mm-hmm. these anthologies. yeah so a lot of people are writing lots of short stories which i love um so night of the living queers this is another one of those like hyper specific premises so Mm -hmm. bear with me here it is a ya horror anthology it is um written they have short stories exclusively written by um bipoc authors who are queer and this anthology is about the Halloweens that are like change the night, change the lives of BIPOC teens forever. So if you like Halloween, if you, you know, like horror, if you like queer stuff, like this is going to be an anthology for you. Um, so some of the contributors include some of my favorites, um, Kaylin Bayron, Sarah Farazin, Kasoko Jackson, um, Tara Sim, Rebecca Kim Wells, Ryan Douglas, like just some really awesome mm. authors. And so these are very queer, very Halloween-y. I love Halloween. Um, and they also are scary. Now, I did not get to this one. So apologies that I cannot give you like 
a personal insight on the short stories and how scary they are. Um, but also know that like, I'm just a wimp. So, you know, I, I think everything's scary. Um, but <laughs> I love, I love the title of this one. And I also really like the premise. Um, so I think that it's worth shouting out. So um, this is like an example, I think of where like really niche topics and anthologies can be really fun. Yeah. So that is Night of the Living Queers edited by Shelley Page and Alex Brown. Nice. That sounds really good. That's also on my TBR. I remember when it came I feel like it came out. Uh, did you say when it came out? Or I feel like it came out fall. Uh, in August. Last year. Yeah, at the end okay, of August. That's right. yeah. So, yeah, it was one of those one. that was probably, like, being, you know, blasted about for the Halloween season. Halloween, which makes um, sense. But you know what? Halloween comes once a year, or it can be all Halloween all the time in your heart. So you can pick <laughs> this up anytime. <laughs> yes, I agree with that. Uh, yeah, so, oh my gosh. I feel like, so we covered a lot of ground with a mm. lot of newer anthologies, but there's still like just so many anthologies out there that we probably didn't even cover because, mm-hmm. I, you know, I would have thought that like maybe they'd be slowing down in popularity because it seems like, you know, there was a lot coming out and people were so excited and then it just seems like there were a lot out in the market. And I was like, are we going to get tired of anthologies? But we don't seem to be. They just seem to be getting more and more creative, which I think is exciting. Agreed. Yeah, there's, there's a healthy... Um, amount of new ones coming out so we had like I feel like we we're updating this episode from whenever it first aired with hey YA. there are so much there are so many more new anthologies to cover to talk about so yes. I agree with you yeah so consider this your updated anthologies <laughs> yes yes oh all right well thank you so much for tuning in this week we're you know we could just keep talking about them but unfortunately we are running out of time um please feel free to leave us feedback about the show on apple podcasts or spotify it lets us know how we're doing and it helps others find us you can always email us at heyya@bookriot.com if you want to drop us a line or ask us a question and don't forget to visit bookriot.com for newsletters more podcasts all things bookish in my tbr.co for um, personalized book subscriptions. Um, Thank you again to today's sponsors for making the show possible. And thanks as always to our awesome audio editor, Caitlin Brame, for making us sound good um, and editing out all of our fumbles and our frantic Googling. Uh, You can follow me. I hang out on threads and Instagram these days at at tears of price. What about you, Erica? I am on the X app at Erica underscore easy E underscore. You're like the only person who calls it X. <laughs> I said it just now. It came out. Please don't judge me. <laughs> no, no, it's, Twitter. It. it's Twitter in my heart. I still say tweets. <laughs> yes, I love it. I feel um, contaminated okay. now. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We're, we'll just, you know, we can go and we can yeah. light some sage or something. Please. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us. And we will be back in two weeks. But until then, happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading.